podcast that applies theology to everyday life. This podcast is a ministry of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. I'm your host, Pastor Jay Riggleman, Senior Pastor of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. With me today is Pastor Nick Boothman, Associate Pastor of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. Welcome, Pastor Nick. It's good to be here. Our topic today is the sanctity of life. Back in June 24, 2022, Roe v. Wade was overturned. States now have the choice whether to allow abortions or make them illegal. I think it would be helpful, Nick, if you started with some biblical arguments on why abortion is sinful. Yeah, there are many arguments from Scripture. Let me just give you a few. Uh, The first kind of argument from Scripture is, Scripture tells us that babies in the womb have worth and value. So Jeremiah 1.5 tells us that this is God speaking to Jeremiah, and he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And this is very interesting because God is speaking to Jeremiah, and he doesn't say, I formed you when you were born. He says, I formed you in the womb. And another passage of scripture in Psalm 139, verse uh, 13 to 16, starting in verse 13, it says, for you, talking to God, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Again, he's pointing to the point where God created him and it was in his mother's womb. But the psalmist goes on and says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So, Pastor Jay, notice how highly Scripture speaks of babies even in the womb. I mean, we saw from these two passages that babies are formed by God in the womb. They're known by God. The psalmist says that God knits us together in the womb, that when God knits us together, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, Scripture talks about babies in the womb in a way that is loving and personal, and it has a very high views of even pre-born babies. So they're not just a bunch of cells. God fearfully and wonderfully made them, and we should take that very seriously. The second point uh, of my argument is the Bible recognizes the life of an adult to be equal to the life of a baby in the womb. And we have a passage in Scripture in the Old Testament law that deals with the rights of preborn babies. This is an amazing passage. It's fascinating. It's instructive for us because God gives preborn babies the same rights that He gives adults. And this is in Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25. It says, If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury, The offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Here's the situation. Two people are fighting and a pregnant woman gets hit. The woman prematurely gives birth to the baby and the baby either got hurt or died from the incident. And that's what they're evaluating. And scripture tells us that the punishment for the perpetrator, 
the one that accidentally uh, hit this woman and the baby was hurt, this perp should be the same. The punishment for this person should be the same as the baby who got injured or killed. So if the baby lost a tooth, the person should lose a tooth. If the baby was killed, the person that killed the baby should also die. And it's important to note that the injury happened while the baby was still in the womb. I mean, if God thought the baby in the womb was not a human, just some cells, then the punishment would be very different. But the punishment um, was exactly the same. So this passage is very instructive for us. And my third point is, it is a sin to murder people made in the image of God. In Genesis 9, 6 says, whoever sheds human blood by human shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. So we saw from the earlier scripture I read that scripture is very clear that there is life in the woman's womb uh, from the moment of conception. It's not a bunch of cells. And all people, including those who are Preborn are made in the image of God, and God forbids taking any human life. So, Pastor Nick, it seems that uh, you've pointed out for us uh, pretty clearly that the Bible states uh, that uh, abortion is considered murder. It's the taking of an innocent life, and that's pretty serious, and uh, it's pretty straightforward. So as we think about that, there might be some people who would have some objections against this kind of strong a pro-life position uh, that we take as men who believe in the truth of Scripture. So uh, let's talk about some of those uh, common objections and maybe some responses that you would uh, give to them. Uh, First of all, what would you say to someone who says it is the woman's choice uh, because the baby is part of the woman's body? Great question, Pastor Jay. So you might hear people who make this argument or arguments like this say things like this. If a mom wanted her leg to be amputated, it's her choice. I mean, it's her leg. She has the right, she has the choice to do whatever she wants with her body. She can choose to make that decision because it's her body. And the argument even goes further from that side, and they claim it's the same thing with with the baby. The baby is inside the mom. The mom has the right to choose what she does with the baby as long as the baby is attached to mom. But there's some problems with that line of reasoning. A body part is defined by the genetic, common genetic code it shares with the rest of the body. So let's break that down. So if a a mom amputates her leg, that leg, every single cell of her leg is the same. I mean, it shares the same genetic code, has the same DNA, has the same blood type. But the difference with the baby inside the mom is the genetic code is completely different. I mean, from the moment of conception, the baby has a different set of DNA, genetic code. Oftentimes the baby's blood type is different. So that is a different person. I mean, that is not just an extension of the mom. He or she, the baby inside the mom is a different person. And along this line of reasoning, people also claim that since the baby needs mom in order to survive, This does not make the baby a human life because the baby is connected to mom. And the problem with that argument is, you know, there's people on life support that are hooked up to machines and things like that that need resources in order to survive. And I don't think anybody would claim that that makes that person less than human. 
Very good. So in essence, we don't get to choose. We don't get to decide who lives and who dies. We really don't. Uh, another objection people have against the pro-life position is uh, making abortion illegal in cases of rape, incest, or to save the life of a mother. How would you tackle this issue? So I'm going to give five points to help us think through this issue. So first of all, I just want to say my heart really breaks for anybody who has been mistreated or sinned against in this way. Um, God cares for the brokenhearted, and one day God will make all things right. So we don't speak about this issue about rape and incest um, dispassionately or anything like that. God cares for you and cares for what happened uh, to you. Second, both these issues are very rare. You would think that abortions in the case of rape and incest and the saved life of the mother are very common for how often they're talked about. I mean, you turn on the radio or the news, especially through an election cycle, and it seems like most of these cases happen because of how often they're talked about. But in reality, only 1% or less of all abortions happen in the case of rape and incest. And most studies say that it's about 1% or less to save the life of the mother. So the truth is the overwhelming majority of abortions are for different reasons rather than rape, incest, and the life of the mother. My third point is there are many other options uh, besides abortion. And if you're a mother considering this, please look into the alternatives. I know, I mean, from even from our church and other churches I've been a part of, I know many loving families that would adopt your child in a second. And um, it's not a bad idea, even if you're going through a situation where maybe your life is at risk, to get a second opinion from a doctor that uh, values life and just see what other options that you have. Fourth, two wrongs don't make a right, especially in the issue of um, rape and incest and things like that. And if you were sinned against in this horrible way, God will take care of that one day. He will not let that person off scot-free. It says in scripture, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So we can trust God to make all things right. And the other side of that, we do not get a free pass to sin just because we are sinned against. And I'm not saying it's easy or it won't cause pain and heartache, but I, what I am saying is you can trust God and his plan and be faithful to him even if you are sinned against. And the fifth point I have, when it comes to saving the mother's life, we have to recognize that there are two equal human beings that we are talking about. Both the mother and the baby's life are equally important and valuable. And all medical decisions should take into account uh, both human lives, that they are created in God's image, and doctors should do whatever they can to try to save both lives. Thank you. That's, uh, those are some good uh, responses to those objections. And like you noted, uh, these are often brought up as kind of the, uh, the exception, not the rule. Um, or the rule, not the exception. And, and so we have to be able to kind of dialogue about these things because they're very personal. They're very um, uh, intense, bring a lot of emotion with them. Uh, but again, the big picture of how God values life should really what guides our discussions and our responses. Um, so 
Well, we have the uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned and uh, Christians having to kind of respond uh, to it based on different states that they live in. Um, and, and just personally, as they look at the particular uh, announcement that was made or the decision that was made. So the, the question is, can we just sit back now and celebrate, or is there anything practically we can be doing? Because it's not the same for each Christian in every state. So what should we be doing practically now, even in light of this decision that was made? Very good. So I have four things that uh, Christians can do, and it's not limited to these four things but here's four things I came up with. The first one is care. So as a church, as a Christian, uh, we should be caring for the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of the mothers and their babies. Mothers are way more likely to get an abortion if they feel like there's no other way. If they have someone who comes alongside them and walks through this journey with them and provides a friend, a support system for them, the outcome might be very different. And you might be saying, well, I don't know anybody in this situation. Well, there's a lot of good Christian uh, organizations that reach out to pregnant women and their families. And CareNet is one of them, but there's very uh, many other organizations. So you can just reach out to them and say, hey, I would like to connect with some people and maybe help them uh, be a resource for them. So that's one way you can care for the, the mothers. Uh, another option to to care for the babies is to prayerfully consider adoption and foster care. And many people in the pro-choice camp criticize us, the pro-lifers, because they say, you work this hard to ban abortions, but you don't care for the babies that are born, that are in the foster care system, that need to be adopted. Um, And I don't think this criticism is true for many believers that I know, because we know a lot of people in in our church that have helped people in the foster care system that have adopted babies. Uh, So I don't think this criticism is fair, but we should also um, take this criticism. And there's, I think, a a hint of truth in that. And we have to care for the babies that are born. So pray about it. Am I a, a family? Are we family that should reach out to the foster care system? the adoption agencies, and even just look into this and how can we help. And even uh, you taking a baby or two, that'd be a good thing to pray about. Also care for those who have gotten an abortion. Um, Be mindful of when you speak about abortion, that even when you condemn it as sinful, which we should condemn it as sinful, you provide hope and forgiveness for those who have done this. Mothers who have had an abortion offer carry shame and guilt that just crushes them. And they need to be told of the grace of God, that there is no sin that the cross of Christ does not cover. So that's my first point, care for the mothers. So let me just interrupt you for a second. So yeah, this is good stuff. So basically you're saying that some of the responses that we should be having are focusing in not just on the pre-born life of the baby, but also after a baby is born and and how that might be care that may be offered after that. Because sometimes pro-life people are accused of just caring about the pre-born babies. And then after the babies are born or if the mom chooses to, to, uh, to keep the baby or even give the baby up for adoption, we kind of go silent. But you're saying that's not the case. We, we want to stay involved, stay engaged. Absolutely. And as I'm thinking through this, I'm really curious about um, just the after effects of banning Roe v. Wade, because like we were talking about, it's really left up to the states. And some states uh, have said there's no abortions at all. 
and how many more babies are going to be dropped off at fire stations or through the foster care system. What an opportunity for Christians to, to step in and say, hey, we care about these babies. We're so glad that these mothers did not give an abortion, and um, we're going to take them in and care for them and love them and just provide a safe place for them. What an opportunity for us. Absolutely. The Church of Christ is going to have to step up. Absolutely. My second point is vote. And since Roe v. Wade has been overturned, this issue, like we talked about, has been left up to the states to decide what to do and who we elect on all levels of government, from president to governor to house to senate, all of that matters going forward and really be looking into where do they stand on this issue. And our vote matters because even though the, the judges decided this, uh, public opinion, I mean, a lot of the public still thinks it's wrong. So we have to stand up and, and make our vote count in that way. My third point is to proclaim. The Bible has an amazing message of hope and salvation, and God uses his words to change people's hearts. And you might feel just crushed and you might feel like no one will change their minds on this issue. It's so divided, um, so polarized. But we have to recognize that God is the one who changes minds and hearts. We can use his scripture, proclaim his good news in a loving way, and God will, will do his work in people's hearts. And my last point is pray. Don't forget to praise God for what he's done so far and pray that God will protect all of these babies. And God does answer prayer. So go to him in prayer as you do these other things. Again, thank you, Pastor Nick, uh, for a good uh, theological um, um, background to the idea of the sanctity of life, dealing with these issues, and also some really good practical suggestions how uh, people of God can be engaged and involved in in helping moms and helping uh, babies and also standing up for life. Uh, This is all the questions we have today on Theology Matters as it relates to sanctity of life. Um, but uh, I'm sure there'll be other things that we'll be talking about. And again, I just want to remind people that Theology Matters is a podcast that applies theology to everyday life. So please join us uh, the next time for our topic, Can I Lose My Salvation? God bless.